again and again and again and again, run into the Father's arms. Praise God that he leaves the 99 to find a one. Aren't you grateful? I'm excited about the new theme, and I've been pondering and, and praying and seeking the Lord for about a four-month process, thinking about, Lord, what is it that you want for us in 2020? Think about some of these thoughts for a second. You and I, who know Jesus Christ personally, who have a relationship with him, are the most blessed people on planet Earth. Would you believe that and agree with that? Oh, it sounds like it. Thank you for the five that believe that. Thank you. Everywhere we go, God is with us. Amen? The promise that he has for us, that he works all things out for good, goes with us. We have life beyond the grave. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. We are sons and daughters of God. And think about this. You and I are co-heirs with Christ. Okay, I need to help this group over here. Like, come on, let's wake up. You probably didn't even see the unicorn in the pond coming in. You, you probably didn't, you're, you're probably wanting another cup of coffee or something. There was a unicorn and a dragon on the pond. How many of you missed it? How many of you missed it? Come on, be honest. Look at that. Why? Because you rushed in here going from point A to point B. You probably didn't even see the signs that said, smile. You probably didn't see the signs that said, laugh. You probably didn't even honk your horn. We had strategically placed signs for you today. Bright red. Andy, you worked hard on those signs. And the unicorn is out there. So don't go out the exit to see it. Just stand and take a gaze. Yet we, as some of the most blessed people on planet Earth, can go right on being characterized by the observant world as the most miserable people indeed. And why is that? Why is it that the world, who doesn't even know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who doesn't have the inheritance of Christ and God himself, who doesn't have the resurrection power living in them, why is it when they look at us, they think, well, you don't either. What has happened to our faith? What has happened to our joy? What has happened to us understanding who we are in Christ? Somewhere along this path, somewhere along this Christian journey, the journey, we have lost our delight in the Lord and joy no, per, no longer permeates our hearts and lives. So I've been praying, Lord, Help us to return to understanding who you are. God, help us to delight in you. And think about this for a second, the picture of God. And so as I was praying and God brought this to light, here's what I began to think and see in Scripture. And it began to jump out. As I read Scripture, I saw this. A God who dances with shouts of joy, laughs when you laugh, loves to play and enjoys life, and invites us in to delight with him and all that he has made. But we have lost our awe and wonder of God. I began seeking ways to enjoy him more. To relish his love for me and us. And to meet him in the face of a child. Getting down and seeing a kid laugh and saying, that's God. That's the God who laughs. That's the God of joy. And as I began seeing him in the rising of a sunset, I've been pausing and, and snapping as many pictures as I can. I've been watching him in a sunset, expressing and revealing himself. 
even in the birth of children, as, as we've been seeing photos of children being born, it's like, there's new birth. God created, God gave. I began to see even the death of loved ones knowing it's not the end. They have just made their creator and maker in their home. I began to see God in the sunset. I long to find rich, deep satisfaction in Jesus and to rejoice always in delight in my faith. And my hope is that you do too. So as I began to think this theme, and I was searching and studying, there are 105 verses in the Bible with delight in it. Delight in his law, delight in his presence, delight in him, delight in his love. He delights in you. I delighted in them. And all through scripture, God is screaming, delight, delight, delight can be found in so many forms. And we'd be hard pressed to find a more delightful concept in scripture than delight. And in my searching, I began to find this quote that popped out. And I believe it kind of encapsulates what I've been trying and I'll be trying to unpack in the weeks ahead. I follow many people on Twitter and as I was following this person, Beth Moore, she said this about delight. Just listen to it. Delight is more than joy. It's joy with a shot of espresso. It's peace with a side of playfulness. It's steadfast trust with a twinkle in its eye. It's acceptance of adversity that knows a surprise party is coming. That's delight. Let me ask you. Do you delight in the Lord? Just take a look at your face right now. Like, just take, do a selfie. What do you look like? Do you express joy even in your countenance alone? Or are you focusing more on what's wrong instead of all that's right in God? we would be hard-pressed to find a more delightful picture of delight than we find in Scripture and even in the giggle of a child. Watch this.
Hey, let me ask you something right now. How many of you right now, your face hurts, literally hurts? <laughs> now, I have a follow-up question. That, why do you think that is? Because you haven't used those muscles. You know when you work out and you use a muscle that you haven't used in a while and it hurts because, or you run and you come back and you're sore, or you go and do something and you play and, and you're my age and you come back and you haven't done that in a while and then every part in your body hurts? Why is that? Because you haven't done it in a while. You know why you hurt right now? Because you don't laugh. Like, let me ask you a question, those of you who are married today. When's the last time you giggled with your wife or your husband? Like, I mean, really giggled and laughed. Well, we did when we dated. <laughs> Would your wife say that you're a person filled with joy? Would your husband say that you're a person filled with joy? Have you let all the world troubles and hardships squash your joy in Christ my hope is this that we return to childlike faith like that and that we just walk in freedom and we know no matter what comes our way yes it'll be hard and yes it'll be difficult and yes we will be on our knees in tears of, of, of pain and suffering but inside of us will be a joy and delight because our God is fully in control Grab your Bibles, and I'm going to take us on a journey and turn to Psalm chapter 37. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Psalm chapter 37, and we're going to read verses 1 to 7. And we're going to see what David said about delight. Stand with me as we read it together. Psalm 37, we'll read verses 1 through 7. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 7. Let's read this out loud together. Please stand as we read God's word. Ready, read. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. You may have a seat. The path, as David says here, as the psalmist says, the path to delight is an awareness of what God has done for us. Let me repeat that. The path to delight or the pathway to delight is an awareness of all that God has done for us and is doing for us. David reminds us that God is fully in control. 
And because of that, we can delight in his sovereignty. We can delight in his providential care in our lives. Yet we can often choose to do otherwise. And we choose not to delight. And joy and delight, which kind of run hand in hand or glove in hand together, are absent in our lives. And if we don't delight in the Lord and we don't recognize who he is, it is a life that is remiss of joy. And so he says, do not fret. Look again with what David says. Do not fret. Do not be envious. And then he says down in, verse, down in verse 7, be still. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. In other words, trust in the Lord. May your delight be in the Lord because he is in full control of our lives. Like I said, there are 105 verses in the Bible. I looked at every one of them. And we're going to look at them in the weeks to come. Just picture, if you can, as I walk through just a few verses to describe joy and delight. The psalmist said in Psalm 18:9, you and I, we are rescued because God delights in us. Picture that. You and I are rescued. Why? Because he delights in us. Psalm 147:11 says, the eternal one takes pleasure, takes delight in those who put their trust in God's unfailing love. God says, when you trust me, like the psalmist says here, I take delight in that. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty, it says, he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God saves us. He offers his providential care. Why? Because he delights in his sons and daughters. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Now picture that if you can. It says when we delight in him, and we're going to unpack that, what that means. When we delight in him, he makes firm our steps. They're not unsteady. They're not shaky. He charts it out and he says, you, are, you will find security in me because you delight in me. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Let's be honest today. Let's be really honest today. Christ's followers are too serious and have lost their joy. We have lost the playfulness, the awe and wonder, imagination, curiosity, love of nature, unconditional trust in a father God, and we've lost our zest and joy in this life. We don't even know how to delight in the Lord. And we've lost it. But listen to me. We can return to that. We can go back and, and ask God to renew that in our hearts again. As I look at the New Testament, the first generation of Jesus' followers, their lives were marked by joy, even in suffering and persecution. They didn't deny their present reality nor disengage from the world's path. They simply declared a greater reality, a life-defining reality. They knew Jesus reigned and was returning. And think again about that quote I opened with. Delight's more than joy. It's a joy with a shot of espresso, peace with a side of playfulness, steadfast trust with a twinkle in its eye. It's acceptance of adversity that knows a surprise party is coming. That's what the first generation, the first century Christ followers knew. Yet way too many Christ followers have lost their joy in the journey. And we're often dried up by self-criticism and judgmental spirits and condemnation. 
We try to motivate ourselves with fear and shame. The idea that we're bad people until we get it right. Hear me out. We have been justified already. Declared righteous by Jesus' blood. We are righteous because of him. Nothing that you will do will make you more righteous. We act out of obedience. We don't act to become righteous. We have been declared righteous. So when God looks at you right now, picture, right now, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you thought. When he looks down, you are covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We need to shift our minds and have God eyes. Otherwise, we live in fear and self-condemnation. But my Bible says, and your Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But we are the worst at it. Keeping mention of our, our faults from the past, and we let the enemy bring them up, and we keep repeating them. And so you know what happens? We let shame keep us stuck in our journeys with God. The New Testament often talks, read in the New Testament, it keeps telling us that we're saints, that we're saints, that we're saints, that we're saints. Not because of what we do, but because of what he's done. And we keep focusing on the sinners. We're sinners. Listen, we are saints because of Jesus' righteousness on us. Just read the New Testament with that eyes. Begin to read the epistles and say, wow, he keeps reminding you, you're a saint. You're a saint. You're a saint. You're a saint. Not because of what you do or done, but because of what he has done. We keep focusing on our sin. If you keep dwelling on your sin, that buries you in self-condemnation. Just read the New Testament again and begin to think, how many times do the authors talk about us being redeemed? How many times does the, the Bible talk about us being saints instead of sinners? Trying to remind us of who we are in Christ. The enjoyment of God is the enjoyment of a person too. God is a person, not some abstract, weird person behind a curtain in the Wizard of Oz. He's a person. Yes, he's God, but he's a person. He has personhood. We have his characteristics. And so when we worship God, we are worshiping him because he's God, but he also wants to relate to us. He wants to have relationship. Quit seeing him as this abstract, powerful God that's unattached with us, that isn't transcendent, that doesn't want to be with us. God longs to have relationship with us. In fact, Romans 5, Paul tried to say this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In 5.11, he says, we rejoice in God. That's us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Peter would lay it, say this, later say it this way. In 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once, once, once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. I want you to think about this for a second. God used Jesus. Why? So that Jesus could bring us to God. Now think about, now stop and just, just, just it's, it's not complex. God used Jesus' work on the cross. Why? Because the only way we could ever get to God and have a relationship is if Jesus died on the cross. So God sent his one and only son 
and said, go die for those people. Why? So that he could use Jesus to bring him to us. That's reconciliation. That's how much God loves us. Come on, that's good news. God reconciled us through Jesus Christ so that we can have a relationship with him. See, what makes eternal life desirable is not just that it lasts forever, but in knowing and enjoying and delighting in the person who made it happen, and it was Jesus Christ. He loved us. Maybe this will help you. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. So how many of you have ever tried out for something? Anybody ever try out for something? And so what do you do when you try out? You try to perform. And you try to work your hardest and you try to do your best. And maybe it's for you want to be on a band and you play your instrument and you practice, 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 practice. Maybe it's a basketball team and you're out with the spotlights on and you're shooting. Maybe it's a baseball team and you're in the cage. And, and, and maybe, maybe, it's to, maybe it's to join a, a, a business and you know this is what they're calling. And so you go and hone your craft and practice your craft. And you keep, and so then you have a tryout. And so you come and you try out. And what do you do? You perform. And so they look at your performance. Wow, if it's basketball, wow, you can dribble with both hands. You can cross over. Wow, you defend well. Wow, you know what the triple threat position is. And so, wow, you can shoot free throws. You're 90%. And so you perform. And so your hope is what? That the coach or the teacher or the boss looks at your tryouts, look at your test that you took to prove yourself to see if you can be on that team. So what often happens before they make the decision. What do you? You're like, hope I make the team. And for some of you, what do you do? You're up all night, sweating, anxious. Our younger son plays on the golf team at Grace College. And, and so in order for them to play each match, they have to perform that week in practice. It's not like once you're in, you're in. So every week, he has to go out with his six other teammates, and they have to score a score to be one of the five to play that week. There is great pressure to make the team. Can I let you in on something pretty awesome? We didn't have to try out for God. There's no pressure. We don't have to perform for God. Because before the foundation of the world, God chose you and me to be sons and daughters and placed us on his team. Come on, come on, come on. Is that good? That is good news. You see, I don't obey God. I don't do good works to get to God. My works are a reflection of my love for God. I have fruit in my life because of the root I have in Jesus. Fruit doesn't produce the root. The root produces the fruit. And so think about this. You and I have been adopted by God. Some of you have gone that path. Pastor Jordan and Shelby this week went down that path again. And, and by God's grace, they adopted a precious little girl as part of our family. She is precious. And you know how she became a family member? Because Jordan and Shelby chose her. And now she is one of the Gillette family members. We are children of God. You do not need to perform to stay on the team either. It's all God's work. 
That should get you out of bed in the morning and say, I'm a child of God. I don't need to perform. I don't have to see if I made the list, if I got the best score to be an accountant, if I got the best score to to be a welder, if I have the best score to be an artist, if I have the best score to get the first seat. You have been handpicked by the creator of the universe. Delight in that. I love what this author said in regards to this whole concept of delight. This author said this. They said, so much of what we learn about spirituality is negative. We believe more in a God of judgment and condemnation than of love, joy, and delight. Following God is about adhering to a long list of things we don't do. No smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no wearing jewelry. Alternatively, it's a list of rules that encourage us to color inside the lines and live inside our religious boxes. We live in dread of displeasing God or taking a wrong step. That means we can never find God's best for our lives. That God delights in who we are and what we do is now a more wonderful but startling revelation for many Christ followers. And God is constantly showing us that he's with us. You see, God gives us glimpses of himself all over the place. You see, he has made and created things for us to enjoy and to delight in. But why? Why does God create? Why did God create things for us to see? Listen to me. The reason he makes good things when he created After he created each thing, he pulled away, and here's what he said. He said, it is what? Good. So I just picture God saying, that's really good. Like, take a look at that. And he got done, and he he, he created some animals, and he's saying, hey, that's good. And what he's created, and after he created, he kept saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then after he created, was finished, he said, it is what? Very good. God creates things, people. Why? So that we have a glimpse and a foretaste of him who is good. Very, very, very good. Think about this for a second. We know the love of the person by the action of the person. So we know we're loved when someone responds in love. We know the power of a person by the action in creating the universe. We know the wisdom of the person God by the providential action in history. We know the justice and righteousness of the person God by the punishment of sin placed on Jesus on the cross. We know the faithfulness of the person God by the keeping of his promises in our lives. And all these actions point to a God that says, I love you and I delight in you. Wrap your mind around that for a second. You see, whatever action is good in this life, whatever idea is good or true, whatever you smell, you see, you touch, 
or you taste is designed by God as a sign or taste of what God himself is like. How much time do you take just to take in his creation? Like, honestly, I ask you a question. Some of you just do what you normally do. You run from point A to point B. And you bypass all these God strikes. You missed a unicorn for crying out loud. You missed a dragon on the pond at Grace Community Church. Why? Because you rushed by these God strikes, these God moments, these God sightings. And when we see God in creation, it's God saying, it's good. But listen, there's something even gooder. All my English teachers just hated that. Gooder. And it's God. It's just a glimpse or it's just like a bite of what's better. The creator of it all. And his name is God. That's why I love getting outdoors. And I'm going to push you outside this year. And some of you say, it's cold. Go to Walmart and buy a coat. In fact, go to Dollar General. They got a rack for $5 and under. I don't want to hear it anymore. Why? Because God speaks outside the walls of your house. And he has beautiful sunrises. And he has beautiful sunsets. And he, he lets you see ice on plants. Have you ever just ran through somewhere? And listen to me. Take your earbuds out of your ears. Get rid of the podcast while you run. Don't be distracted. God has a podcast. It's called Creation. And it is screaming, God. But how many of you do it? Well, it gets dark at 5.30, Pastor Jim. Go to Walmarts and buy a flashlight. That's <laughs> how people say I'm going to the Walmarts. <laughs> it's why I love getting outside. Because when God created the world, he said it's good. And so when I run, there's times I run and I, I'm just, I just stop. And I just pause, and over these last four months, I'm just stopping. Look, I'm not worrying about getting done. Wow, God, that's good. And you created that. And that's a taste and a glimpse of you. And it's so good that it stopped me in my tracks, but there's so much more that's better than that, and it's you. And I delight in his creation. How many of you do that? How many have let just life running from point A to point B, miss all that God is doing. It's one of the reasons I love to get men and women out into creation and youth out into creation and families out into creation. It's one of the reasons as a family we take hikes and, and we go and observe and we take in creation. It's one of the reasons I, I love because God is screaming and yelling, I'm here, I love you. There was a moment at Wild at Heart this year when we built a 150-foot fire. It was just, and we're sitting there, and then Emery breaks out his guitar, and a bunch of dudes, smelly, grimy, muddy, musty, sitting around the fire and just taking in the wonder of God's creation. In fact, guys, this, play that video we tried in the first service. Just, just, just play it. Just take a look at just this glimpse of what we have. The name of Jesus. That's good. I hold you. 
death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence of Let me just ask you a question. Do you take time to see God? Experience all that he's created for you? You see, those marks are indicators of his goodness and love for us. We are created to enjoy, to delight, and know a person, God. Everything good you experience is an extension of God. Process with me for a second. Think about this. People point us to God. Process this for me. I want you to think with me. Think of the most kindest person that you know. Just think of that person. Think of the most loving person that you know. Think of the most forgiving person that you know. Think of the most courageous person that you know. Think of the most joyful person that you know. Think about the most optimistic and positive person that you know. Think about the most giving and generous person that you know. Now, combine all those characteristics and move them to perfection to an infinite level, that's who God is. And he reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ on the cross because he wanted us to be his sons and daughters. If that doesn't cause you to leap out of bed in the morning and unhick your hips, then something's wrong with you. And God delights in you. The prophet Zephaniah tried to describe God. And he said this. Just, just listen. This is, this is who God is. Okay. The prophet Zephaniah said in Zephaniah 3.17. This is what he says. The Lord, your God, is with you. So everywhere you go, God is with you. Then he said, the mighty warrior who saves. So he's with you. Track with me. He's with you, and he's a mighty warrior. Like, picture a mighty warrior. I, 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 I picture Braveheart. And then he says, he will take great delight in you. Whoa, whoa. God takes great delight in me. And then he says this. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. No longer rebukes us. Why? Because we're covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And then he says this as he wraps up this verse. But will rejoice over you with singing. Now, I don't know if that means God broke out in a country western song over you today. I don't know. Maybe he broke out into rap over you. Hey, God creates... And maybe he just got up this morning, when you, when you got up this morning, God was serenading over you. There is my son, there is my daughter, I made them, and it is good, good, good. 
It's a picture. That's what God does. By the way, I'll stay as a preacher, not as a singer, okay? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he broke out in a country roads all over you. But our God delights so much in you that when he opens up his Spotify, he's got his fave just for you. And he calls the angels. Here's one for Jimmy. (laughs) Have you ever pictured God that way? A God who delights and sings over you. Delight is not a begrudgingly duty. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. You see, duty destroys joy. You know why we love? Because he first loved us. God acted first in our salvation by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And it's through his act of love that we get to love God. Our obedience doesn't save us. Our obedience is a byproduct of being saved. Doing is fruit and loving is the root. Follow with me for a second. That is why he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. Have you ever wondered why the list is heart first? I've always processed it. Why didn't you say soul and mind and heart? I believe it's because the heart is not the organ of performance. But we make it that. It's not the organ of doing for God. It's the organ of delighting for God. The heart is not the organ of performance, but it's the organ of preference. You see, we prefer him. We treasure him above all things. Or do you? Because whatever is your greatest pleasure is your treasure. Let me ask you, what? is your greatest pleasure. Is it God? Because when it is, what do you do? You treasure him. And anything else that you find pleasure in is only temporary. And anything else that is a pleasure is your treasure. And if your treasure isn't God, then you will not find ultimate, eternal love and pleasure. That's why he says in Psalm 37, 4, he says, take delight in the Lord. And if you do that, delight in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your desires line up with his. And just prior to that, look at chapter 36 and look at verse 8. As the psalmist David, he wrote this. In Psalm 36 and verse 8, he says this. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of what? Delights. I love this because he has so many delights for us that they will pour out like a river over us. It's like a deluge of delights that are made for us. So how do we get there? Like, okay, Jim, that sounds good, delight. And man, I'm missing out and I missed the unicorn. And... And I need to go to Walmarts and buy some gloves. But how do you get there? I think Jesus nailed it in the New Testament. And he kept stressing to us and he keeps stressing to us. This is where it begins. It begins, I believe, a childlike faith stirs the delight in us. I believe it begins 
with a childlike faith. You see, somewhere along the journey, we've lost our childlike faith. We have turned this relationship into a work-based drudgery. We have lost our joy. We have lost our curiosity. We have lost our imaginations. God can do more than we ask or imagine. We've lost our playfulness. And even like we, somehow we say, well, I'm 58 years old. Quit acting like a child. And I want to say, I want to be 58 years old. And Ann says, I love that little boy in you. For some reason, we believe that we can't act like children. And Jesus is screaming, be like little kids, be like little kids, be like little kids. How do you know that? Well, I'll show you. Listen to these. Found in scripture. Matthew 18, 3. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, Grace Community Church, and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Luke 10, 21 says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Because why? Because he knew little children would believe. Luke 9, 46 to 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Just picture, Jesus grabs a child and says, here, stay, please, stand here. And I bet he got on a knee beside him. And then it says this. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, God, for it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. And then Matthew chapter 21 and verse 16 says, do you hear that these, what these children are saying? They ask him, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Mark chapter 10 and verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, it says. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Can I ask you about your childlike faith? Would you say you have childlike faith? What do children do? They believe, they trust. And a lot of times they don't even ask questions, they just join in on the fun. And, and they say, yeah, if mom and dad said, let's go, they just, what do they do? They just go because they trust mom and dad. They don't worry about what might happen and you'll shoot your eye out. They just go and do it. Why? Because they know that their father or mother is with them. Can we really be honest? Many of you have squashed the little child within you. And lost the joy of life and the delight in God that emerges when we play and laugh and marvel and imagine the world around us. And way too many Christians are a bunch of serious works-driven cranks. And if you don't believe me, men, ask your wife if you're not that person. You see, your focus is on all that is wrong instead of all that is right with God. 
You see, when God looks at us, now keep this in mind, so we've got to shift this perspective. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at us and see what's wrong with us. When he looks at us, he sees what's right with us. And the reason he sees what's right with us is because the righteousness of Jesus is on us. We're declared righteous. We're justified. That's the definition of justification. You know what kids say about adults? And they say, this is what I don't like about adults. This is what I no longer like about mommy and daddy. You know what they say? They don't have enough fun. And honestly, we don't enjoy life. Which leads to not enjoying and delighting in God. In order for us to enjoy God more fully and recognize God's delight in us, we must rediscover the world of childhood and unleash the inner child hidden deep in our souls. Amen? You see, delighting and fun and laughter as a pathway to enjoying God is something most of us never consider. You know what we do? We suffer from play deprivation. We suffer from nature deficit disorder, from awe depletion, from compassion fatigue, from imagination suppression, and much more. And as a result of that, we suffer from God deprivation too because that is where we meet him. See, I'll say it this way. When we D-light, we push back D-darkness. And some of us are living in darkness and not in delight. But this could be a different year. This could be the year that everything changes. This could be the year that we truly delight in our God. And the awe and wonder of him giving his God strikes all over the place. Restores the childlike faith that says, I trust you. I love you. I'll go anywhere with you. Amen. I pray, God. I love the amen of the child up front today, God. It blesses my heart. I pray, God, that we too would. Just return back to the simple things. A childlike faith. A belief and a trust in you. That hasn't been tainted because of hard experiences or adversity. But a fresh childlike faith would emerge. And that the joy of the Lord would be like a shot of espresso. And that we would know that a surprise party is coming. And that we would be reminded that daily you sing over us. And that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, 
give us your heart. Help us to see ourselves the way you do. And may we return to just an unswerving faith and a childlike belief because you are with us. In Jesus' name, 